2: Hello, everyone. It's time for F1 Nation. Tom Clarkson here, welcoming you back to a new season of the show. And for those of you who are listening at the end of last year, you'll know that Alex Jakes is off to Pastures New at Channel 4. Good luck, my friend. And that means I've got new teammates this year on the nation, and I think you're going to approve.
3: This is Natalie Pinkham reporting for duty and very excited and very much looking forward to a long busy and hopefully hugely entertaining season ahead
2: ah pinks it's great to have you on the show and of course you're fully embedded with sky f1 but you're gonna save your best chat for the nation aren't you
3: of course of course i mean this is you know where the gloves are off and we can say exactly what we really think and mean
2: exactly now that's teammate number one teammate number two that's me, Damon, I think, referring to the the, uh, the old
1: champ, Damon Hill. And uh, so I don't know if we can stand in for Alex Jakes. He, he had that particularly powerful uh, commentator's voice, didn't he? So, But I'm going to be bringing some of my insights uh, as a, an ex-driver, uh, someone who's actually been out on the track. So uh, hopefully I can uh, help you along, Tom, with some of the thoughts that perhaps drivers think when they're racing.
2: This has to be a career highlight for you, shading that 96 world title, right?
1: This is it. It just gets better and better, doesn't it?
3: Well, look, Tom, I was actually trying to work out how much experience we collectively have in the sport. I can say I'm just over a decade. Uh, You, on the other hand, are quite old. So what, about 25 years? About
2: 25 years.
3: 25 years. And Damon, I mean, he is a legend. He's also ancient. With his help, we get over a ton. We've got a century of experience in this glorious sport. Amazing.
1: You know, it's it's not polite to talk about people's age, you know, and, and it used to be women. You never mentioned <laughs> women's age. But of course, I do go back to the very dawn of uh, almost of Formula One. Uh, having been born, my dad was a racing driver. So I was uh, taken around in a pram at racetracks in the 1960s. When did you first go to a racetrack, Damon? I was born in September 1960, so probably not till 61,
2: if you don't count being inside my mother's womb. (laughs) Now, guys, this is a pre-season pod in which we're going to get excited about the mammoth 23 race calendar coming our way this year. And, of course, I was at the pre-season test in Bahrain, the first time it's been there since 2014, and it's looking darn close at the front. That's my take on it anyway. So, guys, what do you think? Mercedes didn't top the testing any day, any of the three days. We reckon they've lost their way a bit. Yeah.
3: Well, look, they had spins, delays, technical issues. It wasn't the Mercedes that we know and love in testing, was it? And they didn't get many laps in, 304 in total. So they certainly didn't have it their own way. But, Damon, you know what they're like. They... uh they sandbag to a great extent. Whether this could be put down as that, I don't know.
1: Yeah, they did look. They didn't look too happy. Let's be honest, I and mean, they didn't get a lot of running. They had gearbox problems as well. So you don't like those things happening to you when you just start to to run a car. I think they, their pride was certainly hurt. Um, their reliability was usually quite good, and if not dominant. On the other foot, uh, the Red Bull, you know, they they were looking comfortable. So it 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 rubbed a bit of salt into their wounds. They had a sandstorm, so they didn't get many miles in. It is a
2: little bit. The uh, first time we've seen Mercedes looking a little bit shaky. Damon, here's the thing. So back in your Williams days, and you guys were dominating everything, right? Do you live in permanent fear of dropping the ball? And is, is that, do you think, the psyche at Mercedes now? Do they live in permanent fear of the run ending? Um,
1: no, Tom. No, you don't, I don't think these people understand the nature of fear at all. There's an expectation that they will deliver. And it's worked for the past seven, eight seasons and no reason why it shouldn't work again.
3: But all these things, TC, are cyclical. So at some point it does have to come to an end. And I think what I'm most excited about with this season is the fact there are so many different circuits offering up all sorts of different challenges, meaning that Mercedes won't have it all their own way. And wouldn't you just love to see a fight, particularly between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton?
2: That has been brewing for a while, hasn't it? I went trackside at the test last week and one session Valtteri Bottas was in the Mercedes. The other session Lewis Hamilton was in the Mercedes. And it was really surprising for me to see Bottas banging in the consistency. And where I was actually watching turn 11, Hamilton was out breaking himself. He was running wide on the exit. He looked completely out of sorts, I have to say.
3: Yeah, but you know what that's about? You know why Bottas is looking good? Because he's been having naked saunas with his agent. I cannot get Bottas's bop-bot out of my head now. I, see, I can't unsee that stuff. So that was on
2: Netflix, was it?
3: That was the standout moment of Drive to Survive yeah. series three. <laughs> hey, I once had a sauna with Valtteri Bottas and his ex-wife. It was possibly the most uncomfortable experience of my life. We were filming. They said, I know what, why don't we take you to Finland and you can have a sauna with Valtteri and his wife and then you can jump in the ice-cold water, get back out and get back in the sauna again. I thought, I cannot think of anything more awkward, but... You know, I did
2: it. Pinks, were you wearing anything? (laughs) I was. I was.
3: was.
2: (laughs) Because I had a moment with Mika Salo about 20 years ago, similar sort of thing, sauna in Finland. And he said, Yeah, yeah, come and have a sauna. And I was a little bit late, and he was there with all his mates, and I was wearing swimming trunks. And I opened the door of the sauna, and Mika's there with all his mates, stark bollock naked. Mika, no knickers. The prudish Brits (laughs) just standing there and goes, Oh, sod it. I just have to join them. So just have to. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> I hope you were manscaped, suitable manscaped. Well,
2: we're going to come on to that a little bit later, aren't we? But mm. yeah, so you think? So do you think Bottas is going to raise his game, saunas and all this this year?
3: He's got to give it his all. This is probably his
1: last chance, isn't it? I, I absolutely agree. I think it was absolutely shocking seeing them uh, in the in the nude there, um, and I can't get that image out of my head. But, but uh, this is a very finished thing, and they are they are very strange to us. Seems strange people, but they're they're very. Nice and calm, they're calm, aren't they? calm are not they they are kind of, you know, they have a very honest uh, integrity thing about them. That's his problem in a way, because as Nico pointed out, you need to be a little bit of a, you know, swine, don't you? You need to be a little bit of a killer to be able to destabilise uh, Lewis Hamilton. And I don't know if Valtteri's got it in him. Too much Mr
2: Nice Guy. I wonder if there's a little bit too much caffeine as well. He's obsessed with his coffee. And I was talking to John Watson on Friday. And he thinks Valtteri drinks too much coffee because he was a disciple of Willie Dungle, the man who is credited with getting Nicky Lauder back on the road after his crash in 76. And in fact, John reckons that Nicky wouldn't have been the racing driver he was at all without Willie Dungle. But uh, yeah, coffee. Too wired.
3: Well, yeah, he drinks five cups a day. I've actually done a feature with him because he's got his own roastery. Uh, we went coffee tasting. I have never before that shoot had a cup of coffee, not even a sip of coffee in my life. It's just, I just don't like the smell and taste of it. But but I agreed again, a bit like the sauna, to go all in. And I was buzzing after about three sips. It's like rocket fuel. But yeah, he says he he puts the coffee... He says he's addicted for a start and he credits it with making him very fast.
2: DH, did you ever have any stimulants that we can talk about to make you go fast in a racing car? Not that we can
1: talk about, Tom, no. (laughs)
2: What about coffee? Did you actually have a a double espresso before quali, that kind of thing? Just to clarify
1: that, I didn't take any stimulants at all. So, uh, you know, I mean, I can't, honestly, I couldn't think of anything worse. You've got enough adrenaline as a racing driver. Why do you need more stimulants? You know, it's, you're going fast. You need to calm yourself down, if anything, you know, that's the... Uh, that's the the way forward. Zen. You need to go zen, and you know, calm the mind.
3: Like Rubens used to uh, light um Joss sticks, didn't he, and meditate? And did he? You told me that, didn't you, TC?
2: Did yeah. I, I might have done, but Rubens was Mister Diet Coke. Are we allowed to talk mention brands like that on the show? I don't know, but he he drank a lot of Diet Coke. Other brands like Red Bull are available as well. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, but I think I'm with you, Damon. I mean, I think that. I tell you what, it's very telling what they're listening to in the headphones, if it's calming. uh, It always reminds me of the movie Drive, where they just slow everything right down. You know, some of them want music to really fire them up. I know Daniel listens to pretty hardcore stuff to get him going before the race.
2: Now, we've already talked about saunas on this show, which leads us very nicely into our first partner advert, With Manscaped. Oh yeah, baby. And we have an exclusive 20% off when you use the code F1Nation at manscaped.com. First up, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The perfect package kit... Okay, where's this going? Comes with the Essential Lawn Mower 3.0, their waterproof cordless body trimmer. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. You can also adjust the settings to get a length you like and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. The Perfect Package Kit also includes their Crop Cleanse Body Wash the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant.
3: Oh, TC, don't forget the Crop Reviver Ball Toner.
2: Would not want to forget that. And it's a spray-on testy toner that's designed to give your boys <laughs> a little slice of heaven. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code F1Nation at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use the code F1Nation.
3: Wow, handled perfectly, TC. Well done, you.
2: While we're talking all things Red Bull, look who's joined us, Jack Ploy, pit lane reporter for Ziggo Sports. I like to call you our Dutch correspondent, uh, Jack. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. Where are you? Uh, in Holland.
0: Oh no, um, I'm in Bahrain. I stayed in Bahrain.
3: I was going to say that tan is not from the Netherlands. You look. Are party. you jealous? Very jealous. We'll be with you in a couple of days.
0: <laughs> Come, please join us. It's beautiful weather, but tomorrow it's going to rain.
2: Good. That's just when I arrive, Jack, as well. Looking <laughs> forward to that. But look, we're, we're talking all things Red Bull. So let's talk about what I call your man, Max Verstappen. What is the sense of expectation in Holland behind Max this year?
0: It's very difficult. Good question. But the, like the last three years after winter testing, like Helmut Marco says, we have a bomb of an engine. We have a great car. We have the best driver. So this is going to be the season for the third year in a row. So I'm very curious.
1: Jack, you sound skeptical. You know, uh, have you no faith <laughs> at all
0: uh, in this package? Yes, of course. Damon, of course. It looks great. And uh, Max gave me his his wink eye. But, you know, it's difficult to see. Maybe you already discussed it. But where is Mercedes in this story? Are they hiding? Are they sandbagging? It looked good for a Red Bull. But, yeah. What are the others doing?
3: They're certainly behind Red Bull on the short run pace and Max is as fired up as ever. How do you think he's going to cope with Perez as a teammate? Because they've finally come away, if you like, from their their young driver programme and they've gone for a much more established driver who obviously finished the season on a high with that fantastic win in Bahrain. How do you think they'll gel as a partnership?
0: He will beat him. Max will destroy him. Destroy. Strong words. Wow. You have no faith in Sergio Perez. Now look, who who was his ever uh, in Formula One his strongest teammate ever was Carlos Sainz, Toro Rosso, and he did everything, everything to destroy him as well. And destroys maybe the wrong English word. Maybe it's too heavy in English because English is not my mother language. But I think he will smash him. Is that better? Is that better in
3: English? <laughs> I think either way, pretty destructive <laughs> stuff. But I mean, maybe this is finally. Uh, a rear gunner for Max at the very least to bring home the points for Red Bull. Is is this a partnership that will at least mean that they can take the fight to Mercedes? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. This is the right decision. He can hold off Valtteri, Bottas, Lewis if possible. They can do the tactics like Mercedes was doing before. So great, great stuff.
1: So that's important, Jack, because if it doesn't work out, is he going to jump ship and, and look around for another team to go to?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's why his contract is finishing. That's that's what they want to do. They want to see what the new regulations are doing, who is, who is on top of that, who is giving the best promises for that. And then he's going to change, of course.
3: Now, can I just say that anybody who doesn't know Jack, he's so straight talking, as I'm sure you've picked up already from this podcast, but he's also a little tinker because he loves <laughs> and encourages the drivers to swear. And... Because you're allowed oh, to swear. That's not it's not true. Not
0: true. It's no, totally true. Not and, true. And
3: because you are allowed to swear on Dutch television, and I feel that when the drivers get to you in the pen, they feel this release. They can vent. They can say what they really mean because they won't get the told truth. off. They can say yes. what they want. Yeah. In
0: front of your microphone, Natalie, they're always polite and talking in brave English. I the tea up. And the nose up a little bit. And for me, they can say whatever they want. Who cares? We're not going to peep it. We're not going (laughs) to.
1: Such an enlightened race, the Dutch, aren't they? They're so they're so liberal. Uh, Jack, I've got to ask, Max obviously came from good stock. His, his mother raced carts and also yachts. Uh, of course. His mother
0: was better than his father.
1: Uh, well, yeah, so I'm just saying, I used to race with Jan Lammers as well. And, and so I feel sorry for, for you guys if the Dutch Grand Prix doesn't, doesn't you know, kick off. We had a bit of a hold up, didn't we, because of COVID. So a real shame. Uh, but um, are there any more drivers out there? Any more Dutch drivers? Coming up. Yeah, Jan, Jan Lammers' his son. Okay. Rene Lammers,
0: um, I think he will be also in the same category as Max. That's a heavy, heavy, heavy thing to say, but he's also very good. Rene Lammers, so keep that in mind. He's coming.
1: Good, good tradition of racing drivers coming from Holland. Hubert and Gatter as well, of course. And, you know, going back, yeah. in, in, the Flying Dutchman, of course, you know, who was he? The Flying Dutchman. Yeah. The, no, that, again, that's going back before cars are there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, Jack, you know Max Verstappen better than most other people in the Formula One media. Has he given you any indication in the last week that it is going to be different this year? That, yes, he's been close for the last two seasons, whatever, but he genuinely believes this year where he didn't believe before? He thinks they're
0: stronger, the package is better, the rear end of the car is more stable, but is it compared to the others? And of course, it's very easy to say, we will see that next Saturday after quality, but... It felt right. And the best thing what uh, Jonathan Wigley said to me just before they did uh, the last test day, if there is time at the end of the test to do pit stop practicing, the test went well. Because if they want to suddenly swap to something else or a different thing and all, let's try this or try that, then the pit stop practices will be swapped. So that is the best indication for me that it is going into the right direction.
2: And he seems... So mature now. I he seems so relaxed. Well he's in love. He's in oh, love. Is that what love does teach you to think? Is that what it is? Of course it is.
3: It's a good so, woman, T C. You all know this. It's a good, strong woman behind you. Love
0: distracts you no, from the facts no. what you are doing well.
3: No, Damon, were you in love when you won the world championship? I think so.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course I was. Um, you know, Georgie tells me I'm in love with her every day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's in balance, you're, uh, yeah, 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 you're right, but I don't think it has only something to do with love. Do you care to make a bold prediction for this season? Yeah, I think Perez can beat Valtteri. Max is on the edge of beating Lewis. So I think Red Bull can, can win from Mercedes. If the start of the season is okay, they can beat Mercedes for the World Championship. And that's, I think, the most important thing for Red Bull to become world champion in in, in constructors. And then one of these two guys can be world champion and then Max will defeat, uh, yeah, Jacko easily.
2: And Max will become the most famous sportsman in Holland. Or is he there already? He's probably there already, is he?
0: Uh, It's difficult to say. It depends on, on, on a sports lover you are. Football is very important. I think so in the UK. But as a single sportsman, yeah, he is. But Max is becoming, of course, when when this year is going better and we have the Zandvoort Grand Prix, then he will be number one.
2: Fantastic. Jack, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for your time and enjoy the rain in Bahrain tomorrow. Is
3: it going to be sunny for the rest of the week, Jack? Please say yes.
0: When you arrive, (laughs) the sun comes
2: with you. (laughs) Cheers, Jack. See you at the weekend. Thank you, mate. See ya. Bye-bye. Sorry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
3: It's always great to hear from Jack. He's always straight to the point, as we like it. Um, i tell you one thing, though. I think Checo could do better than he's predicting. I think Checo could occasionally spring a surprise on Max, and and that would actually presumably be good for the overall pitcher for Verstappen to be pushed even harder. One thing will be fascinating, though, is to see how Perez adapts to this car, because he said it is so very different from the racing point. He did seem to be getting to grips with it by the end of the test. It's the first time that we've seen him with a top
2: drive, and we'll finally be able to see what he's truly made of. Pinks, don't forget that he was at McLaren in 2013, just when they were starting a downward turn. But he did outqualify Jensen Button more often than not that season it all came to a messy end and he had to go to force india after that but i completely agree with you i i rate checo very highly he's not going to be as quick as max verstappen over one lap but i think in a race he's as good as anyone out mm. there and i loved his race in turkey his defensive driving Turkey 2020 was sensational. And if he's got a decent car underneath him, he's, he's one of the hardest guys to get past.
1: Tom, I completely agree with you. I, I, I'm actually a big fan of, uh, of Checo. And uh, I think also it's interesting that um, he's coming from a team that was going down the Mercedes philosophy, if not actually, you know, from the racing point was a copy of the Mercedes. And he's going over to the, the, the leader of the high-rate concept teams uh, at Red Bull. So, you know, he's got a direct comparison between those two aero philosophies. So, it, it, no wonder it might feel a bit different to him to start with.
2: Damon, I caught up with Checo in Bahrain, and one of the things he's really excited about this year is working with Adrian Newey, saying that Adrian when he's engineering a car thinks like a racing driver. You don't feel like you're talking to an engineer, you feel like you're talking to one of your own. And of course, you have worked so closely with Adrian in the past, can you shed any more light on that in terms of just what the mind of Adrian Newey and if you're a new driver working with him, what have you got to do to impress him, or is it just lap time?
1: I don't think you need to try and impress him. I think Check is absolutely right. I would I would actually concur with 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 that description of Adrian. I think Adrian was one of the few people you could talk to who you felt like he was actually listening to to what you. Were feeling in the car and i think he that goes back to when he was engineering in indy because he engineered uh, with march when he was uh over in america high speed ovals you know the driver's confidence is really important and so he understands it's no good creating a car that's on paper brilliant but the driver can't drive so he's he's really really into what the driver is feeling and and and, and sensing and someone like checo who's very high Sensing, feeling driver, he's got high sensitivity to tyres and, and the car. I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll give really good feedback to Adrian. Someone like Max has come in. His experience of cars is limited, um, so he's only really ever driven one type of car in Formula One. And if it's got a characteristic, people like Max Verstappen learn to drive around it. People like Kimi Raikkonen and people like Mika Hakkinen, they they don't understand, um, you know, that you can change the car to make it easier to drive. They just think, oh, I'll just drive quicker. So, uh, Max is limited on experience, so maybe some of his feedback is not always helpful to Adrian.
3: Okay, let's move things on to Ferrari because let's face it, a strong Ferrari is great for the sport. It's what every fan wants to see. And will 2021 be better? It has to be better than 2020. The only way is up. So far, so good in pre season. They've certainly got a great driver lineup with Charles Leclerc and. Carlos Sainz, both drivers with points to prove. I suppose Carlos Sainz also needs to show that he's got no regrets having left McLaren, who finished the season on a high, by taking P3 in the constructors. So, Damon, what do you think? With the new power unit, with the new reduction of drag, better straight line speed, are they going to take the fight
1: to the top i'm not sure that they can go all the way to the top i certainly think they'll be a lot stronger than they were last year because you know they were hampered they were they literally had their wings clipped after going down a wrong route with the uh, power unit and now they've had to retrace their steps the story is their power is back and i think the car fundamentally isn't too bad it just was it was suffering from lack of horsepower i think uh last year Great driver lineup, as you also referred to. Um, I think Sebastian was their their lead driver, who was, was slightly jilted when when Leclerc came into the team, and uh, and now they've got a good package. I think Carlos Sainz is really happy to be there. So his dad turned up to to Bahrain to the test, um, and they'll be absolutely delighted to be there at Ferrari. And I think Carlos is such a nice guy mature guy he'll he'll put pressure on Charles but he'll be keen to get on with with the team and uh, and develop so I think they've got a fantastic lineup actually
2: fantastic lineup I don't think the car is as benign as last year's McLaren Uh, Science had a couple of spins during the test I think it's it behaves very differently uh, to last year's McLaren so I think he's gonna have his work cut out but that's a hell of a good looking driver lineup isn't it Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, the two Charleses. Unbelievable, really. And now for a word from our sponsors.
3: The 2021 Formula One season is almost upon us. We are just days away from the first race. The season starts in Bahrain on March the 26th with the first Grand Prix taking place on the 28th. Make sure you watch every race live on Sky Sports F1. It's only live once, so don't miss it.
2: There's going to be live coverage of every practice qualifying session and the race throughout the season, so don't settle for highlights and non-live updates. Sorry, Jakey. You will only feel it all by watching it live.
3: My dad has this terrible habit of pausing live sport. I've never understood it. For me, you can only ever watch sport live.
2: Or don't watch it with your dad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He gets too nervous. He pauses it, walks away, makes a cup of tea, paces around the house and comes back again. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So don't do what my dad does. Don't pause it and go make a cup of tea. Watch it all live. Sky customers can upgrade to Sky Sports F1 today for an extra £18 a month. See sky.com forward slash F1 for more details. That's sky.com forward slash F1. So from a, a former Ferrari driver who's going... Back into the sport after a two-year absence. Fernando Alonso, of course, is back at Alpine. Hungry and as fast as ever, you'd have to say, Damon. That titanium in his jaw, proving he is indeed a bionic man.
1: Yeah, I know that must have, a, must have been a hell of a shock to him. Um, you know, just as you're about to come back to... Uh... To have a, a big shunt. I mean, that sounded like a very nasty accident. But um, he's no stranger to funny things happening just before he, before he tests. There was that time when he had this kind of unconscious episode uh, when he was... Um, he was he, testing, he
3: wasn't he? He That's right. It was McLaren, was it? Yes, it yeah. was McLaren.
1: Missed the yeah. first race. Of course he did. He's, he'll be fine. I mean, know he, he, he's not... The question is age, isn't it? The question is, do you lose something over time? I think unquestionably you do. Does it matter with someone, like, with someone like Fernando Alonso? I think his competitive spirit is so strong. I think that probably compensates for it. Don't forget, Nigel Mansell, I think, won the championship when he was 39 and then went on to Indy and dominated. So he was still a pretty forceful competitor in his 40s. And Fangio, of course, didn't win his uh, first world championship
2: till he was uh, 38 or something like that. So uh, it's still possible. You retired age 39. Fernando's coming back age 39 it's an extraordinary story isn't it of desire and he's still people tell me who are are close to him it is still the dominant thing in his life racing is is the only passion that really matters to him yeah
1: i think he's a competitor i think he's he's fantastic in the limelight he's fantastic uh, if he's got a a race on his hands he knows what to do but it's the the spark and the magic really happens when you're at the front. Will he get to the front with the Alpine? That's the question.
3: Well, Martin Bodkowski has said that it's no longer a midfield. It's just a field. I mean, there is a huge amount of talent swilling around. McLaren versus Alpine versus Ferrari versus tauri versus Aston Martin. Wherever you look, there's... Talent in the driver lineups, but also real promise with
2: the cars as well. And Pinks, I think, in that kind of scenario that you've just painted, if it turns out to be like that, a driver like Fernando Alonso is exactly the man you want because he's fast, but his experience in a race situation, I think, will really, really count. And my only question mark, though, with him is how the two years out is going to affect him. The sport moves so fast, and will he, with only one and a half days in the car, really be up to speed enough by this weekend to actually deliver a decent performance? I mean, Damon, you've kind of had experience of this with Alain Prost back in 1993. He sat out 1992, came back with you guys in 93. That was just one year out, and yet, I don't know, Did did he ever make a comment to you about struggling to get up to speed or... Uh, Any negativity like that?
1: No, but I think the thing is, coming back for a last hurrah, the, the problem is, in your mind, you know that this is... You're not looking for the next 10 years. You're just looking at getting it right this one year. And... You know, I don't know how long uh, Fernando Alonso intends to race for, but I mean, it's not going to be five years, is it? So, you know, you can't plan for the future like that. The pressure is on to do it now. And, he, and it's. I got a sense with Alain when he came in. First of all, he had to cope with an active car, which he had no experience of at all. But uh, I, secondly, I think, you know, it was a bit of a shock to the system. When you're in the stream, when you're in the, the fast lane and you're in Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, you've got a way of, you're, you're up to speed, you're coping. Uh, but when you come back to it, it can be overwhelming again. You know, Formula One, the pressures are enormous and everything goes very quickly. So you have to ramp up again and it gets older the older you get to, to, to ramp up. <laughs> Actually, that's quite an interesting
3: point because if you look at Esteban Ocon, his teammate, of course, at Alpine, he had a year out. And I think it really affected him psychologically because he came back in. He was trying to find his way with Daniel Ricciardo as a teammate who outperformed him pretty much all year. He did finish the year on a high with his first ever podium. But, I don't know, he just didn't seem to have the confidence levels that he had, having had 12 months out of the sport. It it's so interesting to see what happens between the two of them, because as we all know with Fernando, he likes to mold a team around him. And he's the elder statesman, if you like. Ocon has to really prove himself this year if he wants to get back on top of his game. Ah, oh, now, Aston Martin back after 61 years. And wasn't it fabulous to see that car just draped in the Union Jack at the launch? They brought in the Stardust, sprinkling of Stardust with all the James Bond characters, Gemma Arterton hosting the launch. And I, for one, got goosebumps because they are such an iconic and quintessentially British brand, and to have them back in Formula One, Damon is just fabulous.
1: Yeah, it is. It is good. I don't. I don't oh, I don't, that was uh, re- that, was, know, a that was a bit reluctant. That was a qualified, uh, isn't it? Great. I mean, I have to say, you know, Aston Martin's success uh, was probably more in sports cars and, and GT cars, but uh, you know, they they they're a great brand, aren't they? Fantastic. And and of course, there's so much investment by Lawrence Stroll in not only. The F1 team, but the whole brand you had Daniel Craig at the launch as well. The bond thing, um, it's good, but there's a but, isn't there? You know, they didn't have a particularly successful looking test and the pressure is on now now it was it used to be kind of lovely small team that they were plucky fighters with a small budget and now they've got a big budget let's see what they can do with a big budget that you know you could tell from the uh, drive to survive uh, documentary the the fly on the wall stuff with Lawrence stroll in the in the boardroom <laughs> it's a little bit more uh, sticky i thought uh, you know there's quite a lot of tension there and expectations so big driver of course in sebastian vettel too so they, they they're spending money now they have to perform
3: who needs to get his mojo back, though, doesn't he, TC? I mean, he had reliability issues in the test, as Drive to Survive did show us as well how bad it got at Ferrari behind the scenes. You know, the fact that he announced his uh, appointment at Aston Martin on the thousandth race for the Scuderia—that wasn't by chance, was it?
2: No, of course it wasn't. And and how Vettel performs? This is a this is a huge year for Vettel because I think if you break it down he hasn't had a great time in Formula One since he last won the world championship in 2013. 2014, he was outpaced by Daniel Ricciardo, then moved to Ferrari in 2015. And there were issues initially with the team principal, Maurizio Riva-Bene. And then, of course, Charles Leclerc comes in a couple of years ago and and gets the better of him. So I I was fascinated that he wanted to continue. I thought he might bow out with the 53 wins and the four world championships. But He wants I I think he's concerned about his legacy and he wants to come back and leave a positive impression, a a final positive footprint on the sport. And let's hope the car is there and let's hope he gets the room to breathe, because I think no one at Aston is, is, is shying away from the fact that this team is there exists in a way for Lance Stroll to win races and maybe win the World Championship. And I just hope they give Sebastian the room to breathe and and the support that he needs, really, to get the speed out of the car and to get back, as you say, get that mojo back. But it's a big ask for him and it's a big, big year.
3: A big year too, of course, for McLaren. Uh, Third in the constructors at the end of the year. And you'd have to say they were the underdogs to take that title, the racing point being the third quickest car on the grid. But I have to say, going down to the launch earlier this year, there's such a great energy in the team, great morale, a confidence bubbling away. And Damon, the fact that they've used their innovation and their sort of relentless pursuit of improvement to develop that unique diffuser is a, is a signal of intent, isn't it?
1: I don't think they uh, they ever went away, did they? I think that they are... Uh... Fantastic, fundamentally a fantastic team and a, a team of engineers and and designers. So I think that uh, they have got what it takes. It's just they went through a bit of a management uh, nightmare, didn't they? They went through a phase of uh, lots of fighting and and struggling and, and loss of direction. And I think uh, you know Zach has come in and, and actually given them a bit of a bounce. I think it's it's been quite good.
2: Andreas Seidel as well. He, I think he is the real deal. And I, everyone I speak to who's worked with Seidel, whether it's Mark Weber at Porsche in sports cars or any of the people he's worked with in Formula One. Of course, when he was at BMW Sauber, BMW Williams, they cannot speak highly enough of Andreas Seidel. So, um, yeah, that's a team on the move. And uh, they were quick. They were quick last week, genuinely quick.
3: Yeah, and reliable. Uh, there's, there's, There's just one black mark against McLaren's name. Just one. Oh, come on. And it's only a small one. But at the launch, they gave me a dressing room with windows on every wall. Oh, I wonder why they did that. Well, you can't change in a dressing room if there are windows on every wall.
1: What are you suggesting, Natalie? Are they peeping Tom's? Is that what you're (laughs) suggesting?
3: No, I'm not. I just don't think it was very well
1: thought through. So I was having to duck down. I mean, if there had been a camera,
2: you see me sort of duck down, crawling along the floor, trying to get changed. Hey, Nat, did you sense at the launch that, this is a big year for Norris. Do you say, I thought last week there's a seriousness to him now. Absolutely. That there hasn't been in the last two years. Yeah,
3: by his own admission, you know, when he first came into the team, he was young, he was sort of feeling his way. Then Carlos comes into the team as a more established, experienced driver and they're trying to work each other out. Now Daniel comes into the team. Lando's already got his feet under the table. He is the established McLaren driver of the two of them. Obviously, Daniel comes in with more experience, and more race wins. Well, race wins, seven of them. Whereas, you know, Lando's just got that one podium. This is a massive year for Lando Norris because it's a kind of coming of age year. And he has. if he can prove himself against Daniel Ricciardo, then he will have had a fantastic 2021. But I think he he recognises, although I'm sure he relishes that kind of pressure as well.
2: And if he doesn't beat Daniel Ricciardo, then he gets pigeonholed as a guy who's not quite a number one driver, doesn't he?
1: That's the snag, isn't it? But I honestly don't think that'll happen. I think Lando Norris is, is... his quality is still there. I think it's, uh, you know, or, or it never went away. It is there. And I mean, he's, he's shown he's a very capable driver. I was astonished at the speed with which he adapted to F1 and doesn't seem to be phased. He's intelligent. He's inquisitive. And I think he'll, it'll be a great challenge for him to have Danny Ricciardo there in the team. If you knock any spots off Danny Ricciardo, that's his credentials going up. Tom, Natalie, any other business, anything else that's caught your eye? Yes, a
3: person has caught my eye. And TC and I are going to squabble over who's his biggest fan. I am talking about the shortest Formula One driver of all time, Mr Yuki Tsunoda. He is a full four centimetres shorter than Anthony Davidson, 11 centimetres shorter than Lando Norris. He stands at 5 foot 2.5 And he's quick. He is so quick. I mean, actually, I think his hair might take him up to 5'3". My point is, though, this is somebody worth watching.
2: He also loves to talk, doesn't he? Oh, doesn't he love to talk, Pinkson? Do you know what? It's really interesting that of the three rookies joining this year, obviously Yuki, but Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin as well, there was a press conference last week at the Test in which all three were there and all of the questions from the journalists... What a Yuki! I thought Mick Schumacher might get a, a, a large section of the questions, but nope, it was Yuki. Everyone is so excited about him. Uh, what is he? He's the first Japanese driver in F1 since Kamui Kobayashi back in 2014. And there's just a buzz about him. Second fastest on the final day. He's just getting on with it. And he's, what is he? he's also the first driver. Yes, he's very short, but he's also the first driver to have been born in the 21st century. And that makes you feel old.
3: And you know what? He doesn't take himself too seriously because when asked what people expected of Yuki Sonoda in 2021, he filled in the gap with the word grow.
2: Love him. <laughs>
3: the fact is, though, he's a joy to interview because he gives you really full, decent answers. And he's also something of a tyre whisperer. He really knows how to handle it. He has been promoted on three consecutive years. He's been... What, three wins last year in F2, rookie of the year. And now he's up with the big boys in Formula One.
2: Yeah, he's exciting. Uh, I'm also really excited to go to uh, the Jeddah Street track, Saudi Arabia, end of the year. What is it? It's the 5th of December. And it's an extraordinary looking track. If you haven't seen it, have a look on F1.com because um they've simulated a track. It's 27 corners, 6.1 Ks. It's mental. It's really fast. It's very much out of the sort of Baku-style track, fast and furious. And I think it's going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to going there. The
1: simulated average speed is 155 miles an hour, which is faster than Silverstone, I think. Yeah,
3: second only to Monza.
1: And Wolves, just walls everywhere. Of course, one thing we ought to say is that we're, we're kicking off a new season, but sadly we've lost one of the greatest motorsport communicators of all time in Murray-Walker. We sent him off with some fantastic tributes, but we'll be remembering his voice uh, forever. It'll always be in my mind whenever I see Formula One. And no disrespect to the current commentators, but Murray uh, summed it up so well, didn't he?
3: Absolutely, Damon. And I didn't know him half as well as you did. But I remember meeting him before my first day at BBC Five Live and asking for any advice that he had. And he said, you know what? Don't worry about a thing. Just be kind because kindness takes you a long way in life. And that's about right, isn't it?
1: Uh, that summed him up nicely. Well done, Pinks. Yeah, that's, that's that's what he was. He was a gentleman, a really nice guy. Lovely advice. We've got other things happening as well. We got. Um, I got the shock of my life when I looked at the timing screen and there was MSC. You know, I, 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 I had this sort of throwback moment where I suddenly got the heebie-jeebies. Of course, it wasn't Michael Schumacher. It was Mick Schumacher, um, which is, well, it's
2: terrific to see a Schumacher back. And I think he's quick. He was quicker than his teammate at the test and he's delivered... In every major championship that he's contested on the way up, he won the Formula 3 championship. He won Formula 2 last year. And interestingly, his manager is the same manager, the person who looked after his dad, uh, Michael Sabine Kem. And uh, I was talking to her recently about the F2 championship finale last year in Bahrain and how it went right down to the wire and Mick sort of scraped through. It was a slightly messy ending for him. But she said he learned so much and that is him. He just wants to learn. He laps it up so like his daddy. In a way, it was a good thing that it ended like that because he will have learned more than if he just stormed off into the lead and won it easily. So, yeah, exciting to have him back and the MSC. I was interested that he chose MSC, actually. I thought that was very much his dad's territory. but
3: How lovely, though. How wonderful. I mean, he is mature beyond his years and he seems like a, a thoroughly lovely bloke. Um, I'm just so sad for him that Michael can't be trackside to see this moment because uh, no doubt he'll be immensely proud.
2: That's almost it for this week, but we have a new segment this year and it's our Ask Damon section Well, we'll listen to the F1 Nation voicemail for questions you want to ask the champ and the sillier and the more absurd, the better. So send in your questions. If you've got a pen, write this down. Send in your questions to askdamonhill at gmail.com.
3: So come on, Damon, how do you feel about this? We can ask you absolutely anything. I think you should be...
1: Pretty
2: nervous. Oh, gosh.
1: I mean, yes, definitely. I'm going to be on the spot here, aren't I? I can tell. Uh, I don't know about asking me absurd
2: and silly questions, but, you know, fire away and I'll see how I cope. I asked my daughter to fire over a question. I gave her my microphone yesterday and this is what she came up with. Hi, Damon. I'm Trins and I'm obviously dad's favourite child. My question to you is, did you have any pre-race routines? And if you did, have they carried into your life after Formula One?
1: trends what a great question pre uh, in golf they call it a pre-shot routine but you know in driving it's a routine or a superstition is that if that's what you mean definitely i would always get in the car from the right hand side of the car i don't know why it maybe it was like getting on a bicycle you know you just throw one leg over um before the other but i used to make sure that i put a bet with someone that i wouldn't win the race and of course if i won the race then i didn't mind losing the money but if i didn't win the race i got the bet <laughs>
2: Anything that you've carried over into life after Formula One, Damon?
1: What you do learn is that uh, there's a serious point to this question, which is that, you know, whatever you do, you have to be prepared. So everybody getting in an F1 car has been thoroughly prepared for what they're about to do. So I think that's the only thing I can think of that's translated. I mean, so I've become a bit sloppy, to be honest. Nowadays, I just get in my car and I can't even remember where I'm going.
3: It's a really interesting point though, because the sportsman once pointed out to me that when you do have superstitions, if for whatever reason you can't fulfill them, you then go into your sporting performance anxious, because for whatever reason, if your lucky pair of pants got stuck in the wash that day, then, you know, you're kind of out of sorts. So you're always better saying, my superstition is not to have any. But I'm ridiculously superstitious. I do. I mean, and I, I'm not even an elite
2: athlete. Pinks, do you have any pre-race routine? What? To,
3: to go on Sky Sports F1?
2: Nice glass of red?
3: Oh, God, that'd be nice. Well, I can give away one little secret, that we do have a code in the paddock, although post-COVID we haven't been able to go into any of the motorhomes, but we ask for a chamomile tea. And that actually means a glass of wine because they give it to you in a little paper cup. It is, of course, the same colour as chamomile tea, but a little sniff and a sip suggests (laughs) otherwise.
1: (laughs) Well, I enjoyed that a lot more than I thought. So thank you very much, uh, Trins, for that question. And I'm looking forward to hearing all of your questions. So please send them in to
2: askdamonhill at gmail.com. Send voice notes because we want to hear your voices and we want to play them out on the show. Well, I think that's about
1: it. Uh, Tom, thanks to Jack Ploy for joining us and giving his uh, insights from the Dutch side of things. And we're looking forward to the actual real event that's coming up this coming weekend. Going to be
2: exciting. I'm actually heading to the airport in a minute on my way to Bahrain. And of course, Nat's going to be out there as well. And, Damon, you're going to be in England watching on Sky Sports F1. I certainly will, like a hawk.
3: Well, Tom, Damon, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I cannot wait to dive into this 23-race-long season with you two by my side.
1: So make sure that you hit the follow button
2: on your favourite podcast app so you don't miss out on any future episodes. F1 Nation is produced by F1 in association with Audio Boom. Thanks, Pinks. Thanks, Damon. And we'll see you next week.
1: Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time.
2: The world's best converting checkout.
1: Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.